Welcome to In the Telling. I'm Stephen G. Forwood. And I'm Miranda Mims, and we are the co-founders of the Nomadic Archivist Project. The Nomadic Archivist Project is excited to announce that we are seeking submissions for an anthology exploring the archival experience across Africa and the African diaspora called The Evidence, Black Archivists Holding Memory. We welcome archivists, artists, curators, historians, memory workers, public record keepers, scholars, and students to participate in this groundbreaking project. If you want to know more about the project, go to our website or check out the links in the show notes. The deadline for submitting a proposal or abstract is December 15th, 2020. I would like to welcome our guest today, Dr. Edwina Eshinikwe. Edwina is an archivist, historian, and curator of the African diaspora experience. Her probing of culture and history began early, constantly asking her bemused parents and older kinfolk about their family and Ga ethnic histories. Having connected with various strands of Blackness while growing up in Dubai, studying in the US and researching in the Caribbean and UK, she continues to be fascinated personally and academically with the ways peoples of African descent document themselves. Her scholarly research engages the myriad cultural records and indigenous knowledge peoples of African descent create, as well as the institutions and processes involved in preserving them. Edwina currently teaches at the University of Ghana in the Department of Information Studies and is editorial coordinator of UG's Institute of African Studies Contemporary Journal of African Studies. Welcome to In the Telling, Edwina. It's great to have you here. Thank you, it's great to be here. So um, all three of us have a shared history. We all worked at the Schomburg Center for Research in Black Culture for a spell. And it's really great, Edwina, that you're taking out some time to talk with us, seeing that we're continents apart. So one of, mo one of the most interesting things about you to me is your name, Edwina Ashinikwe. And so I um, wanted to ask you some questions about naming practices in Ghana, specifically with the Ga people. So could you talk a little bit about the story of your name and how it reflects Ga uh, genealogy, and what does Nade mean? Okay, so yeah, so my full name, if we are gonna go there, is yes. Edwina Nade. Well, Nade Saint Oseble, a blanc sometimes, I should mm -hmm. be. <laughs> so, um, but uh, mostly Nade, which is. Um, my um, my Gan name from my ethnic, well, so the Gan ethnic group, but and also from the Nikwe clan. Mm -hmm. And so um, the Gan ethnic group is, has a unique naming system in Ghana. Um, so our names, once, you know, we, t uh, we tell someone our names, it immediately identifies our clan. So like I said, once I say Nade, someone hearing that, uh, another Gan would immediately know I'm from the Nikwe clan. It also then would tell them my position amongst the siblings, which would tell them, now they would tell them that I'm the first girl um, okay. amongst my siblings, amongst my, uh, you know, sisters. And then it could also possibly, my name could also possibly tell uh, someone, um, even my father's position amongst the siblings. So my name being Nade Nikwe, immediately let someone know that uh, my father is a Nikwe, if he is Nikwe, and he then also was the first of, amongst his brothers. And um, so 
and it can also tell possibly your town of origin. So with the Nikwes, um, the name, the, the clan can be found in Accra, in La, and in Teshin. So these are three, three of the seven Ga towns. Uh, so the um, Ga ethnic group is made up of um, seven main settlements. Um, so Accra, Osu, La, Teshin, um, Nungwa, um, in Tema, and some also include uh, the Pampram, even though they also mainly Adangwe. So the Ga and Dangwe are, well, call them a cousin, um, you know, cousins. Um, so Ga, uh, there's a Ga scholar called Irene Odote um, who wrote that Ga names carry coded information on the history, social organization, beliefs, values, and customs of the Ga. And so, so just to try and explain, explain our naming system to you. So think of a table or think of, think of a square, divide that square into two. On the top, um, you have a column of male names, a column of female names. At the bottom, you have another column of male names, another column of female names. And basically what happens is that the names, the male names, because we are patrilineal, so it is, of course, names are passed along um, by the fathers. So think of the male names in your first column on the top, giving, when they have children, giving names from the um, you know, the second set of names at the bottom of the square. Um, so using, um, so let me move away actually from the Nikwe um, clan. Uh, so let me use um, the Lante Jawe clan, which is a major clan in, um, in Accra. So they would have, um, so Odate, his brother um, Oda, Odate, Right, so that's the uh, the uh, first and the second, and then Odakwe would be the third. Then they would name their their sons would be you know Nilante Nilante. Their daughters would be Nalamne Nalamyoko, and so now when Nilante and Nilante have children, they would then name their um, their sons Odate Odakwe Odate also. So it just constantly, um, you know, sort of flips. And so the idea is that, so uh, we call them like the um, the grandfather's generation and then the son's generation. And the idea is that every person basically shares um, a name with either their grandfather or one of their granduncles or one of their granduncles. Um, okay. And so it sort of flips. And so that's just it. In a nutshell, without getting um, <laughs> without getting complicated and confusing, um, we also have um, names specifically given to twins. So, if if your first set of children are twins, um, they are called um, so um, the names for twins: two boys, Oko and Akweta. Oko is the older of the um, the twins, and Akweta is the younger of the twins. If it's a girl and a boy, it would be Oko and Akwele. If it's two girls, Akwele and Akwoko. And then the, um, the, the, the child after um, the twins is always called Taiwia, whether it's a boy or a girl, it's a unisex name. Um, okay. so, so let's say, so I'm Nade, my, the sister after me, Edna, who you know, she's Kwoko. So let's say the child after that, the children after that had been twins, it would then break up the naming system. And so- okay. Then it would be Nade Kwoko, and then it would be Oko and Akwete, 
So it, it wouldn't follow the normal naming system. It would now switch to um, mm-hmm. the names given to twins and um, the twins and their um, siblings behind them. And okay. um, what else? Okay, so um, in Gam, in Gam um, I guess traditional philosophy, um, you wait, parents waited seven days before naming the child. So the idea was um, that you weren't sure if uh, the child who came was going to stick around, basically, whether they were just sort of passing through, a, you know, a mm-hmm. spirit that was passing through or one that intended to stay. So if they stay till the seventh day, then the, the uh, thinking was that they intended to stay. And so then the naming would then happen on the eighth day. And so we would call that an outdooring or pujemo. And um, so if a child died before the seventh day, they were not named. So if um, you had a child who didn't um, survive that first week, they weren't named. So the next child you had after that, so let's say you had had a girl and the child uh, and the girl did not um, survive that first Mm -hmm. week the next child you had would take the name of the first child, of the first girl. It wouldn't take the name still of the second the first girl. girl. Yeah. yeah, she would still how be the first you, girl. Go Adina, ahead. How would you know um, that someone had lost a child if they were never named? So I think, I don't, I, I mean, I can't speak for- the Burials the, and- the, the, Yeah, but so you, the parents and the family, of course, would know that. So for example, my grandma, my mother is actually my grandmother's third child, but she was my my mother my grandmother's first surviving child. Um, gotcha. She had she had twin girls before my mother, um, mm-hmm. but they they passed away. Um, and then she within also had seven, a, within that seven yes yes they yeah that? because because my mother was my mother is. Okanle, which is the first girl of her father's clan, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if, if the two girls had survived beyond that week, my mother would have been given the name Tawia, which is the third, you know, which is the child after twins. And so, of course, then if people come into the home, and this happens, people will, you know, you, you can go into a home and you will have, let's say, an Oko, which is um, the older of the male twins but you will not see an Akwete. So that means if you don't see an Akwete, obviously then Akwete passed away, but they, Akwete okay. passed away after the seven days. Seven so days. he was named, right? Okay. He was named. Right. So, so that's kind of how, so it's, it's the family, but then their family. So, so un, un, unless I told you, you wouldn't know that my mother was my, actually my grandmother's third child, right? right? Because she's been given the name of the first girl first, because those, those other children did not, um, did not survive past the seven days. How were mm. those children buried? They were buried. <laughs> they, and they're usually buried, um, they're usually buried um, quickly. They're not um, kept for very long. They're mm-hmm. usually buried. Um, I, unfortunately, my sister's... Um, a co-worker once lost his child in tragic circumstances and i i think she was buried the very next day which is which is not usual for us we tend to have you know prolonged uh, sort of especially for older people younger children tend to be buried quicker but even even that is not like the very next day but and uh, for ch- uh, babies that pass away that 
quickly, like within that first week, I think they're buried pretty much the very next day. Um, I was wondering about the naming practice for them. So they're buried, but they're, are they they're not, they're not named. Okay, okay. They're not so named. So when it comes to a headstone or anything, how, how do you know who's... I don't... Who's been interned uh, and where? Hmm. That's an interesting question, Miranda. I actually have never asked about that. I think they're just buried. And I, I, I want to, without... Um, and maybe this is something I can... Um, I will follow up with my uh, parents or other elders, but um, I think the idea behind that, again, like I was saying, it was um, um, gone traditional philosophy or um, yeah, uh, belief was that, so these were, these were souls that were passing through with no intention to stay. So then you don't name them. You don't, I guess, I guess there was also a, a, a healing aspect to it so that you can kind of, forget that they pass through without having that constant reminder. Um, mm. I mean, I don't know whether that really, you know, for a parent who's lost a child, I don't know whether that really ever happens, whether you ever forget. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I remember one time um, seeing my grandmother cry and when I asked her what it was, she was remembering her dead children, mm-hmm. you know, many, many years later. Wow. You know, um, my, uh, so, the, so the, like I said, the first, two children with twins, twin girls. And then after that, she had a, a, a boy who survived uh, till he was two, then he fell ill and died. And what I heard is that my grandmother would go to his grave site mm-hmm. for months after. And then they told her she has to stop. She has to heal and move on. And it was after that, then she got pregnant with my mother. Wow. You know, okay. so, yeah. Three children. So is it, is it, do you think that that's also a part of um, the ex- accepting that this person has or these children have um, moved on that also helps for the person who has experienced that pain who is also thinking about having more children that sort of yeah. hastens on like, yeah, others? Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. And then this is also in the context of, you know, days where infant mortality wa- was high, you okay. know. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think that unfortunately losing children was a common thing. And so this was, I think, a way of helping people heal and move past that. So if um, not naming, especially babies who, you know, newborns, basically, it's like, okay, they obviously did not intend to stay. Mm -hmm. You know, you also mentioned that um, about meanings, names and meanings may have, at one point may have had a meaning, but right now. Yeah, we know, we don't know. Yeah, so people ask me, what does Nadia mean? I'm like, all I can tell you just means the first girl of my generation and my clan. I can't tell you anything beyond that. <laughs> if, if, if our names had meanings before, we've lost them through time. But um, right now it's more about, um, you know, the one's position in the clan and identifying, you know, um, your lineage and that sort of thing, as opposed to, you know, Nadi means rose. I know that's not, that's not what it is. <laughs> yeah. Is it because of, because of, um, there's so many different names, um, and they represent so many different things. Is it, does it take time for, um, parents to name their children or? No. no? Uh, okay. so, you know, other, other ethnic groups actually tell the guy 
a lot of, like my mom has had people tell her this and other people other guys i know have had people tell them this that you guys are so lucky you already know like you already know when a baby comes what they're going to be called the names okay. are set for all of the clans uh all of the god clans the names are set um you know you know so before my brother ever had a single child i knew that his daughter would be called a day and his mm-hmm. son okay. would be well my brother is an interesting story which i think we'll get to later on but in terms of the naming but yeah so it's you already know okay that's what um your children are going to be called you know right so you know um i think i heard that your mom was not at your naming ceremony can you tell us why yeah so um it's funny when I was um, talking with Stephen about that and he asked and I was like, you know, I've never really asked her. So then I asked her and she was like, I don't know. I was just, you know, I was just told that mothers are not present at their children's naming. <laughs> then I asked my dad and he was like, um, he was like, oh, you know, I think, I think it's just because then, you know, older women from the father's clan would go get the kid. But I was like, but dad, that just still doesn't tell me why the mom doesn't go. So, um, eventually, um, had to, um, eventually had to call one of my, um, aunts, I call her my aunt and, um, she was like, well, it's actually very practical. Um, so in, in those times, of course, um, you know, women would even, women tended to, even if you're married, you tended to have what, in, in translating literally from Ga you would have your child in your mother's house. Like, so you would go, you know, to your mom or to your female kin so that they would help you with this, uh, especially if you were a first time mom, you know, to help you with um, just the baby and everything. And so usually, because again, uh, we tended to name traditionally on the eighth day, you know, after the child survives the first week, then you name on the eighth day um, Mm -hmm. and you outdoor them, right? Uh, Introduce them to the clan so that's what the outdooring ceremony is you introduce them to the family and then you also introduce the baby to the you know the 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 philosophies and traditions and culture of the people to whom they have come so um she was like usually mothers would not be um well enough or would not have recovered um, sufficiently from delivery to go uh, because the naming was usually done in the father's clan house so they would come. So that's where the, you know, women would come and get the baby from the, from the mother's mother's house and then take, take the baby back to the father's clan house. And then the naming ceremony uh, would, uh, would happen uh, there. So it wasn't that there was any kind of like cultural restriction or anything against mother's attendance. It was just that, um, you know, the mothers might not have sufficiently uh, recovered from delivery. But nowadays, that's, um, that's changed, um, especially where you have um, husbands and wives living together. Uh, you know, they may decide to do the naming in their home as opposed to at the father's, um, um, at the father's clan house. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, they, they might just wait for a time that the mom is strong enough to participate. And then also, nowadays, people also do it um, at church. Um, so part okay. of the dedication, baby dedication okay. also. Um, and then, so it's baby de- dedication and then the baby is also named. Mm-hmm. And so it's now, nowadays frequently, the naming ceremony is frequently postponed until the mom is able to attend. Nice. Well, that makes sense about the practicality of it, you know, yeah. rather yeah. than sort of strict gender roles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, 
Because like at my naming, my my grandmother went. You know, mm-hmm. uh, my grandmother went to the uh, to the clan house, to the Nikri clan house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Actually, I was thinking about the naming practices, patrilineal versus matrilineal, mm-hmm. and I thought it might have something to do with that. And I was like, but the names are set already. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. so. Yeah. so the other question I had for you, because of the naming, the different ways in which God names are given. And that you told me about, I want to make sure I pronounce it correctly, so just correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. A Sebla name. Sabla. Sabla. Yeah. Okay. And so I, I was super excited about why this story existed and couldn't yeah. wait to tell my friend, Sean, a mutual friend of ours named Sean, about yeah. it. Mm-hmm. And um, so can you talk a little bit about the naming practice, but also the origins of it? Okay. So the Sabla. So when I, uh, when I introduced myself and gave my full name, I said, you know, it'd been a, Nade, Nade san, Oseble. So Oseble is my sabla. And mm-hmm. um, all guns have sabla. Every gun name. So as each of those, like, as I was talking about that table with each of the names from, um, you know, the grandfather's generation, the, uh, the son's generation, they're also set sabla. And so the sabla comes from, the naming practice comes from this time when um, the Gan were at, so this is like the 1700s and 1800s when the Gan were at war with uh, a Khan group such as the Ashanti and the Kwame. And so it was basically a war strategy. So the Gans adopted names or that sounded that were either a Khan names or sounded like a Khan names to confuse the enemy in the battlefield because if and because like again our names are distinct. So if you're in the battlefield and you're like you know hey Amate obviously, oh, that's a gun person, he might get killed. But then if you call him with a name that sounds like an Akan name, you're like, oh, Otumfo, people might get confused. And, you know, so it was a war strategy to confuse the enemy so they wouldn't be able to tell, okay, you know, um, is this person in front of me a gun or an Ashanti or an Akwamu, you know, whatever, a Dentura or whatever. And so, um, yeah, so that's how the Sablan name came from. So, just for example, like uh, Ade, my niece Ade, her subline is Mankobia. And now just that ending, the Bia, is like, you know, we have Akan names, Adobia, for example. So it sounds, um, it sounds uh, Akan. Um, my sister Edna, Koko, her subline is Ajiman. And Ajiman is a straight out Akan name. And it's actually a male name. Um, okay. but it's uh, been, uh, it's the subline for, uh, for her. Um, and uh, so are mine is also assigned. Be- yeah, they're also assigned. Yeah. No, they're but also- how are they? How are they assigned? It's the every so each of the names in the you know in the uh, groupings. Like I said, you know, each name has a sublon and it's set. So mm-hmm. if so, if, like oh, I'm Nadi. Yeah. So Nadi subline is always Osible, but then that's actually I, okay. my yeah my dad. So I'm going to have to find this out because my dad actually spoke with um, someone in our clan house uh, recently, and they told him that um, the uh, ga, sorry, the the sabla for Nade was actually Estibia, which again sounds tree. But I told that he, I was like, no, the only sabla I've ever known, and there's a book that actually lists um, uh, by a guy called A.A. Amate. Um, mm-hmm. lists all of the um, clan names in all of the Ga towns and, and also lists that, all of the Sabla. And I was okay. like, even the Sabla there was Osible. So, yeah, my father said he had never heard of Osible either. Um, mm-hmm. But um, so that's, 
so he he learned a new thing so now he's like okay he's gonna call me Osibli I was like sure I like it I don't mind um but <laughs> yeah so um yeah they're already set they're already set so why why do you think that the Sibli um naming practice persisted after this period you know I don't know that's an interesting question I have no idea um I, I think maybe just a way to also memorialize that history you know uh, mm. to the of it as well and um, it's just um, so they become names that are um, like not everyone not everyone knows their sabla I came across um, a blog by a gun woman like, uh, recently and whenever she had written that blog I think it was about two years ago she had just found out about sablans and she was all excited about them like oh, I yeah. didn't know this you know so yeah I, I don't and, and then she also mentioned that history and so I think it's yeah it's just a way of memorializing that I don't know mm-hmm. I have that's no idea but I would I would speculate that that's probably one of the reasons why mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's great for genealogy you know yeah for tracing, you know and keeping yeah. that history alive in the name right mm-hmm. yeah the name practice, so so that practice didn't happen before the 1700s I would assume not okay yeah okay. and it also might also be just another a testament to the um the connections right and the associations between the ga and their akan neighbors even you know from mm-hmm. whenever we started associating with each other uh, because i'm like where did they get the, the store of names you know from obviously it was through their interactions whether mm-hmm. in trade or you know um maybe even at some point marriages you know yeah. yeah so yeah it's um but i think it's also just beyond maybe the memor- uh, 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 remembering of that history it also could just be a testament to our to our um our association with them for mm-hmm. centuries at this point <laughs> right. yeah. yeah yeah so between as we've been discussing um a guy person might have many names some names mm-hmm. that are public versus some names that are private only mm-hmm. spoken within the family how do names indicate belief and belonging yeah so like i was just um you know mentioning uh the sublam so that sublam might be uh only someone sublam might be used only within the family for example like i tend to call my niece prima a day i tend to call her nankobia or maybe if i um you know it's like remember when you maybe there would be a way that your parents would say your name and you knew you were in trouble so <laughs> you know i'm like <laughs> say her name say her subline a particular way and she might be like what <laughs> you know what's going on uh but yeah so um but yeah this sort of our naming um practices like they come in a number of uh different uh, dimensions so um mm-hmm. looking at it from in the context of our being uh former you know colonial subjects who began to adopt english or christian names um mm-hmm. it's telling that for a number of us um you know people refer to our guy names as our house names because those are the names that you might you might only be called you know nade or amatele or um um koshi at home and not outside mm-hmm. the four walls of your home right um so um if i were to introduce myself um to someone another gun person and i i would say i you know i say my name is edwina or edwina nikwe a gun 
who's meeting me for the first time would probably ask, um, you know, what's your house name? Or okay. like, I might even ask somebody like, no, so but what's your name? What do they call you at home? That's another way uh, that we ask this question. So is it, um, is it asked because you're trying to affect a more personal relationship with that person? Yeah, some, yeah sometimes. Yeah, sometimes that's what it is. Like, okay, I, I want to get to know who you are. Like, who are you? in this intimate space of your home what do your family call you by you know um if you want especially if you want to um sort of develop a closer a relationship with someone so for example um at the journal um where i works we just got a new national service person so you know i knew her name um the official name uh, that she was introduced by and it was just yesterday um uh, she called me and my caller id uh, true caller identified her number as belonging to Na a day. So when she picked up, I let her ask um, whatever it was that she wanted to ask me. And then I said, let me ask you this. Your, um, your name came up on true caller as Na a day. Are you Ga? And are you a Nikwe? And why didn't you tell me this already? <laughs> you know, and she just laughed. She was like, yes. And I was like, okay, so, you know, because her name, her actual official name does not identify in any way, one, as guy even, and secondly, even as an equi. So I was oh. like really curious. I was like, why? And you, you see my name. Why didn't you, be, why didn't you, you know, alert me to the fact that we're from the same So I asked her, I said, where are you from? And she's from Accra. And I was like, okay, all right. You know, so we just had this like two minute conversation about the fact that we're from, well, the same larger clan, right? But she's an equi from Accra. And I'm from Teshin. And I asked her, you know, the uh, background to her official name, because like I said, it does not identify her as, um, as a guy in any way. Um, and she said, it, uh, she's asked, she's wondered herself. And uh, she's been told that it was her grandfather's name. And I guess he wanted to put his own stamp on his family and his generations. And he, but the, uh, the, the, um, the thing about it is that that's her last name is actually a day name. And, you know, that's something that's more common amongst the Akan and not us, uh, mm -hmm. not, not the Ga. But we do use day names sometimes um, in um, affectionate ways. Or So my grandmother used to call my mom uh, Okanle Adra. My mother's born on uh, Monday, so Adra. And my grandmother would call her that, both her, her name name, her, you know, Okanle, and then also... Um, the day name, just as a way of affection. Um, mm -hmm. So, yeah, um, it's there are many dimensions to um, just how our names can indicate belonging. Um, mm -hmm. So, my my sisters, uh, <laughs> my sisters, we call each other by our guy names, and so with both my sisters, when they want to annoy the other one, I actually call them by their English name. And and that becomes a big old fight. It's like, don't call me that. It's like I'm I'm ignoring you. You know, I'm like, but it's your name. And they're like, no, but she's not allowed to call me that. It's okay for outsiders to call us by our English names, but we cannot call each other by that. You know. And my mom used to say that if someone called the house and called me and asked for Edwina, she would know immediately. Okay, yeah. this is either someone from high school who was not a close friend of hers because her close <laughs> friend called her, you know, Nade, or right this is someone from the States or wherever else, you know, because it's just her formal name, unless she lets them know uh, what her guy name is. So 
Yeah. Um, so then I mentioned the, um, I've mentioned the um, day names. Um, and then we have the sublime. Mm. And then, um, so another aspect, another dimension of this belonging is in our naming system also. And then in the, sorry, in the naming ceremony, right? Um, so one of the things that's, and I just think it's beautiful, it's like, you know, they'll dab. Um, I think like a little bit of um, either honey or something sweet or um, a, a little a dab, a little bit of Coke, you know, and, and they'll tell the, <laughs> they'll tell the baby here we drink, um, we drink um, corn, like corn things. Like, you know, so we have uh, various corn drinks. Like what we drink, we drink corn drinks and we drink water. This is who we are. Right. Um, they also tell the baby, um, they'll Ooh. give the baby a bit of cornmeal and say, you know, we eat corn here. Um, and then they give other life instructions, like, you know, don't lie. If you, if, if you see it, if you see it, don't say you saw it, you know, basically be restrained. Um, don't lie. Um, so just a number of things. Um, don't bear false, you know, don't bear false witness. Um, so there are a number of, um, life instructions given in that, um, mm -hmm. and the naming ceremony. And then, um, and then I, I actually want to touch upon this uh, one aspect of Ghan naming, uh, uh, naming that I haven't mentioned before. I kind of like dabbled around it. So when I talked about the children, babies who pass in their uh, first week. So again, going back to times when um, infant, infant mortality was high, a, a, a parent might, or parents might have um, continuing like successive um, loss of children, mm. babies at this time. And so um, there is a, a naming kind of system for children that were believed to be the same soul coming back, you know, and sort okay. of like, um, um, I don't want to, um, harassing or tormenting their parent. And so what, wow. uh, so if, if um, this continued, you, you, let's say you continued to have a girl that kept dying, you know, within that first week or shortly afterward, um, they, there's a naming system called the Bogbailoi, which is names that um, are intended to shame um, the, the baby so that they wouldn't want to go back to the spirit world with that name. So that if they ask, well, what were you called? They wouldn't want to say that I was called, for example, my um, grandmother's best friend was called Achafon, which literally means um, throw it away. You know, so they, the belief was that if you give babies these names, they would then um, be too ashamed to go back and then they would stay. But then they would stay with these names, right? So mm. um, like I said, okay, my um, grandmother's uh, best friend was called Achafon, which is I said, throw it away. There was also um, another example is a baikon, which is this person has come again. He or she has come back again. Mininke, uh, what should I, what have I said? Or aleno, maybe. So then once you hear someone with um, a name like that, then you know that um, they are a child or they're a person who their parents or their relatives believed kept coming back. And so they gave them this name so that they would stay. Yeah, so that's, yeah, yeah, it's, it's not very common to hear that, th those kinds of names anymore, but mm -hmm. yeah, uh, definitely, I think by my grandmother's, it's probably, 
started dying out around my grandmother's generation. But yeah, um, there are one or two people that I know that still have these sorts of names, the Bogba Loy. Mm. Yeah. I was really struck by this idea of belonging and mm -hmm. how the names really connect you to generations, you know, yeah. and events and wars in some cases. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, um, the last question I wanted to talk with you about um, involves the, 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 the naming practices. Are they changing in terms mm -hmm. of God naming practices? And we spoke about your brother. Oh. Yes, about <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, my father <laughs> and my brother. So, so my dad, for whatever reason, uh, so my dad's a Nikwe. My brother should have been Kote. But my dad decided to just call him Junior, so Edwin Nikwe Jr. And we don't really subscribe to that. The guns don't really um, do that. I've come across one or two other guys who have who are juniors but it's not common because like i said we have the set names and so you just follow just follow the names just so you're an Ikwe, you are supposed to have a kote you're supposed to have nade you're supposed to have koko you're supposed to have kokale you're supposed to have kote you're supposed to have ashi you're not mm -hmm. having you know whoever else so um that so there are people like my dad who have decided they want to uh, go along the route of juniors which is odd um, to uh, most guy years uh, but uh, mm -hmm. like in my brother's case what was interesting was that you know so the family at the time we were in Dubai when uh, my brother was born in Dubai and um, you know my dad decided he was calling him uh, uh, junior I wonder if if we were in Ghana at the time whether that would have flown or whether they would have been allowed to do that I doubt I, I mean I don't know I, I'm thinking probably probably not but um, you know, um, the, the family members are like, what do you mean? So there's still family members who are like, we're going to call him what he should have been called. But they don't call him Kote, but they call him by the sabla for Kote, which is a puma. And they call him that uh, as if to kind of, um, you know, still stamp upon him <laughs> the right way of naming. Um, so, um, yeah. Um, then the other um, kind of ways in, in which our naming systems are changing a little bit is this idea of a surname. Um, I would say that traditionally we didn't really have that. You basically, so it would go like this. Um, so, you know, I'm Nade and I'm, and I'm Nade Nikwe precisely because my dad is Nikwe. So now, so now I'll, uh, since I'm a woman, I can't name. So I'll, I'll use my brother as an example. So then he should have been Kote. Right. So then his daughter, my niece, should have been Ade Kote. Right. And if, my, if we'd had another, uh, if I had a brother, another brother, he would have been Kote. So then that niece would have been Ade Kote. So you always take that the child takes the name, the, in essence, the first name of their, of their father. And so that it repeats. So you don't really have a surname. Like it's not like um, the, the cousins would have the same last name. No. But that's changing. Uh, so with some some clans, so like the Nikwe clan, uh, the Lante Jawe clan, there are names that they can go to. So like, for example, the clan name Nikwe or Lamte or something. So then people have been using that as a surname. Um, okay. So that's uh, one change that's um, uh, been happening. Another trend that I've seen um, is that um, 
people sometimes are not naming their children the name that they should be named, but are uh, giving them um, maybe more descriptive names, um, names of thanksgiving or praise or something that describes um, what was going on in their life when the child came. Um, so uh, one of my nephews, for example, instead of being called Niamate, he's um, called Nikeno, which means Keno as gift. Uh, because mm -hmm. his par parents wanted to recognize him as a gift from God. Um, I've also heard um, gone girls called na dromo, dromo being grace, right? Um, so, oh, and I, as I say na and ni, that's the other thing. All of our names are prefaced by na or ni. So female names are prefaced by na and male names are prefaced by ni. So na de, na koko, ni kote, ni ashi, and so forth. Yeah. The do you see this evolution of the name naming practices um, as a way to both pres not preserve, but it's just a natural outcome of the way that God culture is developing, and that are there tensions between naming your child blessed versus you know within the clan system? Well. Um... So let me um, use my nephew Kano as an example. Like, so his grandfather uh, was like, oh, you know, so like remember I said it's a grandfather and a kid. So Kano should have had the same name as his grandfather, which is Amate, right? Uh, but um, my, my cousin wanted to name him Kano. And so um, his dad asked, oh, could he please name him Amate? So at the naming ceremony to appease his father, Amate was part of Kano's names, but on his birth certificate, on his, uh, you know, in his school registration, it's Kano, you know, so um, there, I wouldn't say there's tension. I think that people accept that, you know, sometimes you may want to express um, something about what was going on in your life. You might want a memorial in some, in, in some way, um, and make the name a memorial. Um, but um, I think for the most part, uh, people are not moving away from it to the degree where it will be begin to get worrisome. And honestly, guys are pretty, pretty proud of their names. So it's not something that's gonna, it's gonna change, you know? So you may decide to, you know, call your, you know, your girl Nadromo, but maybe she was a Nade, so you might say Nade Dromo or, you know, Nadromo, and then at home call her Nade because that is what she is. But um, on a official birth certificate or official papers, it's Dromo. You know, um, guys are pretty proud of things. So I, I like so there are changes, but I think the reason why it hasn't been like a complete overhaul is because it is something that identifies who we are, and it's something that we are very proud of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know whether I can speak for all guns, but I think we are very proud of our names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Edwina, for talking with us yeah. today. I definitely feel like I know a lot more and understand um, God naming practices yeah. a lot better than I did 30 minutes ago. So <laughs> talking to you and hearing it from your perspective. So yeah. 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 Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys.